0: This podcast is recorded on stolen and unceded Aboriginal land.
1: We acknowledge the First Nations and elders of this country and we join their calls for justice. (laughs) Hi, (laughs) Emerald. Oh, don't touch me.
0: We're in the same room. This is weird, isn't it? Yeah, it's really weird. Uh, we also who knows if the tech is gonna work because we've never done this before. So
1: we've got such a tech set up. We've got three cameras set up. We've got yeah, yeah, this. there's a
0: camera there, there's a camera there, there's a camera there.
1: <laughs> <laughs> You've all been punked.
0: <laughs> this is um, nice.
1: Look at us. We're in Greensland. We're together.
0: in Tom's hotel room. Tom has a spa bath. <laughs> it's a spa bath, right? It's a giant bath, and I saw the spa things in there. Yes.
1: I sit in there, drink champagne and plan the revolution.
0: Yeah, and there's like leaves on the walls, there's wallpaper.
1: This is like an annoyingly
0: <laughs> wacky <laughs> oh, hotel. I it's think it's so annoying <laughs> when I get to stay in a fancy hotel. I find it so annoying.
1: <sighs> it is annoying. But we get to be up close and personal. I, we get to see how big I am, how small you are. Mm,
0: always fun. Always, always fun. fun. Tom is still bigger than me. Yeah, <laughs> it's still. I haven't grown yet. But who knows?
1: Can confirm. Yeah. All right. Let's make content.
2: God damn it.
0: Okay. Greens, that bunch of idiots.
2: This is the future of Australian politics, whether we like it or not, which is that the Greens' vote is increasing. I'm suggesting they hate our society. Frankly, I've always found the Greens to be a real serious danger to Australia. a a, a serious danger to Australia.
0: Have you ever watched, you know Trixie and Katya, the drag queens? Yes. They have the YouTube show and every time... They touch each other, goes, Bzzz. they should, Tom, <laughs> Mike should do that for us. <laughs> nah.
1: Enter that in. Yeah. Michael the Griff Griffin is over there in the room with us.
0: He is, we swear.
1: This is Serious Danger, a podcast about Greens politics in Australia. It is not an official Greens Party podcast. <laughs> I'm Tom Ballard. That's Emerald Moon, produced Hi. by Michael the Griff Griffin, who, again, is in this physical room.
0: Yeah, it's true. We have new patrons. Oh Who's my god! Shout out! What? I'm going to read off your screen because that's easier. Okay. Our new patrons: Avery, Scott, Rosemary, Laura, Vinnie, Peter. That Legends, is- all of you.
1: Yes, that is Avery Howard, previous Greens candidate. Thank you very ah, much for joining the Serious Danger Dog family. Thank you to all the Danger Dogs that came to see me at uh, Cody Festival too, and came up afterwards. And, and they set said away. they were
0: Danger Dogs, Danger uh, Heads, Serious Danger Heads. No, I
1: think people prefer Danger Dogs.
0: Danger Dogs. I don't know.
1: That you get bonus content if you go to patreon.com forward slash AU. Pay for as little as three bucks a month. You could pay more if you wish. But three bucks a month gets you all the bonus content that we produce. We released an episode this week with yeah. part of the Moon my family, sister, moon well, Hines family. Yeah, she's right. not
0: part of the Moon family, but she is my sister, Georgia Hines. I thought it was really good. A lot of people say, <laughs> I didn't <laughs> sound surprised. Unlike the like, normal
1: shit we pump out to you people. <laughs>
0: I think, yeah, at one point I was like, am I just doing this out of love and respect for my sister and bias? And then we did it and I was like, no, that was incredibly interesting.
1: No, she's like really smart and... Um, articulate and hot, and I'm like, you're related?
0: Ah! We are going to now have to work through all of my other siblings because oh, my Jesus. little sister has already messaged immediately and said, when are you going to interview me? <laughs> and I've got six, so. fuck it out. Yeah, get ready for the rest. <laughs> We've got six episodes.
1: Great conversation. She's a humanitarian lawyer. Uh, she's currently working in, like, the new frontiers in warfare and the intersection of technology and ethics and killer robots, although she's not allowed to call them killer robots.
0: Yeah, she doesn't call them that. Autonomous weapons. Jesus,
1: get out of here. Yeah. Uh, That episode just came out this week, so sign up to that. Thank you so much to people who have sold out our first non-Greens conference live show.
0: I, It's a bit weird, hey. (laughs)
1: Everyone refuses to believe that we can be successful.
0: (laughs) Are you guys sure?
1: (laughs) It's just this. (laughs) You know that, right?
0: I don't know what we're going to do. I'm feeling a bit stressed about it, to be honest. It's going to be awesome. Happening on Sunday,
1: May 21st, a year anniversary. Stop
0: banging your fucking hand on the couch. People don't like it. It's
1: my couch for the (laughs) next day. Um, year anniversary since the 2022 federal election. Max chandler Geraldine Hickey. You might be hearing bits and pieces come through of the podcast, maybe not the whole thing. We'll keep some special mm. stuff just for the danger dogs and legends who are coming along to the live thing. But the whole thing is totally sold out and that means the world to us and thank you to the Good Check Comedy Club for hosting us.
0: It really cool. does. Yeah, it's actually, it's very sweet. It makes me happy. Thank you.
2: Thanks. I'm just furious that the government says that there's a quarter of a trillion dollars for Stage 3 tax cuts and $368 billion for nuclear submarines, but they can't commit to living, lifting single parents and job seekers and people with a disability out of poverty.
1: Let's talk about the week on Wednesday. Greens leader Adam Bant. ever heard of it? Sorry,
0: him? you just said the week on Wednesday. Let's talk about the week on Wednesday, Baird Adam's podcast. <laughs>
2: I said, let's talk about the week. (laughs) I understand.
0: Okay. Yeah. No. Let's talk about the week on Wednesday. On Wednesday, Wednesday, what happened?
1: Well, on Wednesday, I listened to my favorite podcast
0: (laughs) The Week on Wednesday.
1: Uh, On Wednesday, Greens leader Adam Band, who The Week on Wednesday are a huge fan of, was back (laughs) at it at the National Press Club, gave a fiery speech to the Canberra Press Gallery. Produced a lot of headlines, a lot of people chatting about it. Has he done it again, Emerald? Is it Google it, mate, all over again?
0: I I don't think it's Google it, mate. Okay. It's good, but it's not <laughs> Google it, mate. Like that was a moment. That
1: was a moment. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so way more attention during a federal um, election campaign. Yeah. But I want to hear less about missiles and more about lifting people out of poverty. That's a pretty good line.
0: It's good. It made me smile. I was watching it on the train, being like, "Good shit, Adam." <laughs> yeah.
1: What, what, what was the general vibe? What was he going into there? What, what do you think was the great mission of this particular press conference?
0: Well, can I yes. tell you a secret? Yep. I haven't watched the speech.
1: Oh, you just watched that line on the train. I've seen
0: that speech and I saw, I read the articles. I understand the general vibe, but I'm hoping you can tell me what else he said.
1: Oh, fuck. I was hoping you'd help know, me. No, it's a great speech. <laughs> <laughs> the main focus was uh, housing. Specifically, Adam was making it clear, doubling down, that the Greens will vote down Labor's Housing Australia Future Fund, if it is not significantly improved, the government tried to pass it back in March, has not been able to reach an agreement mm-hmm. uh, with the Greens, uh, couldn't get it through. Can we briefly recap why does the Housing Future Fund suck and bad and is bad and is no good?
0: Well, probably the easiest way to explain it is that label will tell you this is their $10 billion for housing, and yes. it's not that at not all. That. It is uh, a fund that invests public money into the stock market, effectively gambling money on the private stock market, If and then it will use the funds generated from that to theoretically pay for social housing, but only up to a certain point. Yes. If it loses money, that means negative money for social housing. (laughs) And even if it does well, if if it loses money, they'll actually
1: demolish housing. They will demolish housing. They'll actually blow up actual housing. I think that's
0: in the agreement. Yeah. And that's what the Greens are fighting to stop. (laughs) (laughs) But like, yeah, there's no I mean, and there's no plan for renters, I think is the other thing. It's just this this shitty fake fund. Worth noting in Queensland, they've done a similar thing. There's a housing fund. It was established, I think, around two years ago, hasn't built a single house.
1: Amazing. We're shooting for 30,000 houses within five years, I think. That's the general goal that the uh, the huge ambition that the Labour government has laid out. Right. It will come out of this fund. Um, as you say, nothing for renters and a $500 million maximum spend every year. Yeah. So that's the most you can ever spend yeah. every year. And no minimum spend. So they want say. to limit
0: themselves, yeah. And to put that into perspective, like I am sure maybe you've got the the figure on the shortfall of social and affordable housing across Australia, but even just in Queensland, I know, for example, it's like 26,000 maybe more households on the socialising waitlist currently, and that's like priority, high need, just in Queensland yep. right now. So if we're talking about 30,000 homes over five years, it's just it's nowhere near enough. It's not going
1: to touch the sides. And this is where I think it's probably, you could argue it's a little tricky for the Greens to say that the housing fund is going to make the housing crisis worse. What, I mean, what, you, what we really mean is that if you introduce this fund, the housing crisis will be worse within five years, if you know what mm. I mean. So the fund isn't technically making the housing crisis worse, but the housing crisis will get worse and this fund won't won't affect
0: that. Well, it's kind of a question of ideologically like do you believe that the government has responsibility right. for a housing plan yep. for Australia, like yep. for its for its citizens and I think as socialists we believe that yes, like yes, the government please. should play a role in housing people because housing is a thing that people need to live. Yes. Um but yeah, then uh, so so in that case, yeah, then the housing policy that is implemented by the government of the day would dictate or like you at least have to admit that it affects the housing crisis. Yeah. So it's like this plan will make the housing crisis worse. Right. Whereas, yeah. Because like,
1: this is the totality, the totality of the housing plan of this current government. Hmm. This is what they're saying they're going to do yeah. and cut to five or ten years later. Yeah. The housing crisis is even worse than it is now. Yeah.
0: And I think it's also like if you then bring into account all of the tax breaks which is kind of what you know. Adam's speech was getting into. Yep. If you take that all into account with Labour's housing policy, and obviously, like, like I'll admit, this is a bit of a stretch rhetorically because we're talking about the fund that is part of this legislation. That's not necessarily saying yes, we do um, keep or, or scrap negative gearing, mm. but yes, Labor's approach to housing right now is making the housing crisis worse by incentivizing profiteering mm. and yeah a speculation like using property as a speculative commodity rather than a human right for, mm. for, for homes for people to live in
1: yeah and i think we've seen this so many times this is where the greens are really strong when they keep coming back to the actual problem facing people mm. because i feel like the government just wants to say we're doing something on housing mm. okay leave us alone stop yelling at us this is the only option we have to address housing crisis Whereas Greens are saying, here's the actual problem. Here are the numbers. Here is the shortfall. Here is how bad the actual crisis is. We want to actually address that problem. Yeah. And it's not, you don't just get political points for saying we're doing something on housing. It's like you you should actually do as a progressive so-called government, you should actually do the stuff that's actually going to make that problem better and actually address mm-hmm. the problem. So yeah. so the, the scale of your solution should meet the scale of the problem.
0: Yes. Yeah, that's right.
1: So let's talk about the things that Adam called for here and we'll get to the big rent freeze in a sec, but here are some of the other points. The Greens want the funding from this housing fund uh, for social affordable housing to be increased from a $500 million cap to $5 billion per year.
0: Mm -hmm, That's pretty big. Big difference. Big
1: greed, if you ask me. But yeah, yeah. Uh, direct funding of two hundred twenty-five thousand publicly owned properties over the next decade. So let's just bump up that ambition, please, from uh, thirty thousand to try to get even close to addressing the shortfall that we have in this country. A doubling of Commonwealth rent assistance, and again, scrapping these concessions. So the capital gains discount, um, fifty percent discount on assets, which has spurred the housing crisis and property speculation and negative gearing concessions for people with more than one investment property. Yeah. The public pu- parliamentary budget office estimates the whole thing scrapping those would raise $74 billion in revenue over the next decade.
0: Can I just say, you know what's funny? I've just realized you saying this for this is the first time I've understood that the demand the $5 billion per year is mm. them saying that's lifting the the ceiling on how much money can be spent from the returns that this fund generates. I thought that they were talking about direct investment in social and affordable housing, but you're saying that actually that's direct funding of 225000 publicly public loan property. So is that separate to that $5 billion from the fund?
1: No, I think that's the kind of money that that, that's the kind of the direct investment that is coming out of the fund.
0: Yeah, but that's still not direct investment, right? Like it's still going to come from the returns of the fund. So if the fund doesn't generate any money, do we get that direct investment? Surely the Greens are are pushing for like a guarantee that those homes will be funded.
1: Uh a guarantee from that money that you would be spending a guarantee that you'd be spending five billion dollars a year from that fund in order to Even develop. if it loses money? I think so, yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah. Well, because this is this is the question, right? And I think we got like we we had uh patty i think on on instagram messages about this a few weeks ago about whether ideologically we oppose the idea of this fund at, mm. a, as a way to deliver housing and comparing it to something like um norway sovereign wealth fund which you know delivers funding for for the welfare state there and and like is it a bad idea just totally in theory for example if that cap was, was lifted or, or removed altogether would this still be a bad idea and my view is like i just don't think that public money should be gambled on the stock market like i i think we were talking about this beforehand you were like well we should abolish the stock market mm. which i agree <laughs> and so it's like yeah do we really want like a, a, in an ideal world or or as a policy that we would support i just don't think we would support establishing a fund like this we would support direct invest, investment rather than propping up a like a stock market that is you know mm. c- capitalism in its in its pure form
1: it's also just like with if you've got $5 billion, you could also just sit on it and it will have more money next year as well. Like, in terms of returns on that, That when you're talking about that well, size but of money. Social also housing
0: just, also delivers a, a yes, return. Yes, right.
1: Social housing, you also get returns because you collect, nation, rent. collect
0: rent.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Is Commonwealth rent assistance dodgy too? I've heard a little bit of this too. Like we're asking for the doubling of it. My understanding from a bunch of leftist critiques is that it's basically just subsidizing the private rental market, right? You're just handing over, again, shitloads of public money to private landlords. Yeah. Now, there are people who rely on Commonwealth rent assistance in order to keep a roof over their head. Yeah. That's good. And while we don't have 225,000 green homes built uh, Mm. immediately, then is pumping more money into that private rental market?
0: Are, are Again, yeah, like it, it's that argument between like what you would want ideally, what you would propose if you were in government mm. versus what do we support from from something that's already in place. I think it's true, like until we have a robust social housing um, system that can actually meet need and, and beyond, mm. even, you know, working towards a universal social housing system where it's not just the most disadvantaged people who can access it. Um, yes, like Commonwealth rent assistance is – Kind of is probably saving lives at the moment. And right. it's a shitty part of a shitty privatised housing system. So I understand the critique from, I think, a lot, of, a lot of leftists. Yeah, like there have been some people lobbying the Greens and saying that they shouldn't be supporting rent assistance because it legitimises that really shitty system. Yeah. But, yeah, may, maybe what the Greens should be doing. And, and I think the Greens have been doing is saying that rent assistance is not a perfect solution. Um, It's certainly not a permanent solution. In the current circumstances, though, it would be a benefit to have that Mm. increase. And I also think it's something that, like, in terms of people who aren't just like very online and on twitter mm. the vast majority of of people who are right for the picking for like growing the greens movement that's something that would be immensely popular people would get it and be like oh yeah like we need rent assistance this
1: would be helpful and the, the history of that payment is so sinister too right because it ties into the history of the government outsourcing the provision mm. of housing to the private sector right so under Menzies you've got the government directly building one in five houses you know housing people was seen as something of a Commonwealth government responsibility, yeah, and after a while I go, oh no, we don't have to build or own the houses, uh we can just sort of yeah subsidize this this private rental market by handing out money to the most vulnerable people, so they can take that money and give it directly to their landlord, mm. and the system works beautifully yes, but also I think the concerns about Increasing Commonwealth rent assistance is, is oh, well, well, then, you know, uh, rents will just go up. Right. So what you need there is. So what is, should we
0: do about that?
1: You need yourself a little rent freeze. A little
0: rent freeze <laughs> and a rent cap in the long term.
1: Yes, please. Uh, we talked about this a little bit before, particularly mm. when um, this the bill was kicking around the lower house and Max was explaining that the Greens would um, oppose it or reserve their decision on the housing bill. Um, but Adam put a bit more detail on what the two-year rent freeze that the Greens are calling for is all about. It would be done in coordination with the states. You do it by establishing a rent freeze housing fund with an annual $1.6 billion of extra funding for housing. That would basically double the funding that the uh, states get every year, making it conditional and Mm. imposing a two-year freeze on rents, followed by capped rent uh, raises after that. Yeah, uh, states could use that money to then build new housing, to buy existing housing.
0: Mm, I want to see a lot like more of the that. Like the NRAS ha- houses, for example, that are going to fall out of, like NRAS scheme is winding up. It's right. the big th- thing that we've been talking about in Queensland because we're going to lose, I think, maybe the biggest proportion of NRAS homes. What like, are NRAS
1: homes? Just for building?
0: Um, National Rental Affordability Scheme, which right. Morrison government scrapped and Labor decided to just go with that and not replace it with anything. Right. Um, and it's subsidised housing. So again, not a perfect system, obviously. We don't love NRAS, but there are around like 6,000 homes Mm -hmm. that were on the NRAS scheme that will be lost um, to the private market. Just no, you know, completely um, uncapped rents over the next few years. Mm -hmm. And the Queensland government has said they're going to buy something like, I don't know, it's like a handful of those homes so far And we're saying, well, you should be buying, you know, basically trying to buy all of those homes and turn it into social housing because that's housing right there that people who need limited rent, who need affordable housing, like, would just be left to the whims of the incredibly hostile private rental market otherwise.
1: Right. In his speech, Adam was saying that this is totally doable. uh, He pointed to the eviction moratorium on the pandemic. That was the federal government coordinating with the state, stepping in to try and protect the rights of renters when there was a goddamn deadly disease flying around the place. And many states already have an annual rent cap that is, you, you know, telling people you can only raise rents once during a, a one-year period. Uh, they don't limit how much you to yeah. raise it by, which is a problem.
0: I but- wouldn't. Yeah, I would even be skeptical I I would be hesitant to call that a rent cap. But
1: yeah. well, but Adam's just saying the principle is the same. So if you extended that to two years, yes. right, you could say okay, you can't. You can only raise rents yes. every two years. Yep. That is effectively a two-year rent freeze. Right? Yeah. Adam said it is unacceptable and irresponsible for the Prime Minister to throw his hands up and put the Greens' rent-freeze proposal in the too-hard basket when Labor holds almost every seat around the national cabinet table. Mm. With World War Labor state governments on the mainland, Labor can't pass the buck on the rental crisis
0: anymore. So true. It's really interesting in Queensland. I'm curious to know what's happening in other states because in Queensland I've even seen the Labor government almost having a go at the federal government, like criticising them for their failure to keep NRAS or to like implement a plan. Mm. And yeah, like that they're actually willing to criticise their federal colleagues on this is is very interesting. Mm.
1: Now, this to me seems like a slight tweak. I, I think I remember when next was originally out there, they were saying that they were like basically going to hold housing funding as mm. the hostage to states in order to, to get on board mm. the rent freeze. I think there's some critiques of that. But this sounds more like, hey, we're going to offer you extra funding yeah. if you want access to access this extra funding. The condition of that is to implement yeah. a two-year rental freeze.
0: It does seem slightly less I'm, – I'm curious to know why they landed on that because mm. I would think that it would then be easier for states to say no, right, especially when they could just be like, well, we don't you know, want that money if we think that uh, – y- yeah, like if we're just going to buy the line from the real estate lobby, which is that this will force investors right. uh, to exit the market and that'll somehow, don't know where those homes will go, but it will mean less supply, make the rental crisis even worse. Uh, yeah, they'll say that it'll mean wealthy people buy up those homes. So it's like, but what are those people doing with those homes? But anyway, mm. um, and so, they, yeah, like I think it's very likely that state governments will will buy that. And use that to be like, well, no, we don't want to just take take that money for then something that we that's going to make the the crisis worse. Apparently, mm. no thanks. Jesus. Who knows?
1: Um, do you think this has changed? Do you think average the average punter thinks that a rent freeze is possible? Like, or that is they dismiss that, or would they be opposed to that because they think it's a bad idea, or because they literally think the government can't do it? Mm. And has I guess the pandemic changed all that? And mm. has the pandemic illustrated? The governments can be powerful; it can intervene in the market in this way. That is, are the Greens onto a thing when we say we want a two-year rent freeze? That is totally possible. It's cutting through.
0: I actually don't know if the pandemic did it. I think we were really hopeful, and we used that messaging for a long time. And I guess we are still using it a little bit to say that you know governments can intervene in a in mm-hmm. an emergency situation and and do something like this. But I I feel like that wasn't enough. I think what has what has changed is the intensity and scale of the housing crisis and the rental crisis in particular mm. and the fact that so many people have either experienced that personally or had seen someone very close to them or in their circle um, being, yeah, like n- not have access to to housing in a way that you kind of expected that you would be able to if, particularly for uh you know people who like working people mm. and people that just wouldn't have expected that they could be facing homelessness mm. a few years ago, uh, absolutely now could be. And so I think I think there is an expectation that like this is a serious, it's in an emergency and mm. it requires an emergency response. I think that is certainly part of like the general consensus at the moment. And it's,
1: there's something particularly pernicious about getting a rent increase and you just you're just paying more money to live in the same place you know yes. what i mean so rents up rents up i think 10% on last year something like that across the board and i think when people experience that when your landlord says hey i'm putting up your rent by this much and we know how shit landlords are and they don't fix anything and they you know no one no one is a huge fan of their landlord particularly broadly speaking just just the fact that we're saying you're paying more money and getting nothing extra out of it your house is not any more Nice. No. <laughs> well, but, just, just I mean the obviously
0: the argument is that their mortgage, mortgage is costing more. Right. Which is is true. Yeah. Like in in many cases people have been hit pretty hard by interest rate rises. Um but yes, like I I think that it's not necessarily I mean does that justify raising the rent to an extent where it, it, it's interesting that argument when it's like yeah, people will accept that okay, it's a choice between this person not being able to pay their mortgage comfortably or this person not being able to pay their rent and potentially being homeless. And in their view, they're like those are equal and actually potentially the person who's been able to afford an investment property, uh, they... Yeah, they should take precedence over an the person who might really leave. An investment property. Yes. An investment property. Yeah, yeah. not the their home.
1: These, these wonderful landlords are providing housing. It's like, no, yeah. they
0: bought it as an investment. Yeah, and I understand that they have been encouraged to do that, yes. to, like, over-leverage themselves on the private property market as a way to build wealth because there are very few other ways to build wealth in yes. Australia because yes. this is capitalism and it is much harder to make any money, to make money enough that you can be comfortable mm by fucking working hard, um, <laughs> the 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 only feasible way is to, yeah, like take other people's fucking money that they have earned mm. through their hard work uh, and to build wealth through capital. So, yes, it makes sense that people would turn to that um, and it kind of like that fucking sucks, but mm. it's like we have to start unraveling it at some point.
1: Yes, please. like this uh, line from Adam too. With all this question time contempt about a rent freeze being pixie dust, and he's reported delight about campaigning the next election on his housing bill failing the Senate. The Prime Minister needs to understand this isn't an inner Sydney council meeting and a chance to get even with the Greens. Wow.
0: Mm. That's a bit spicy, isn't it? Yeah.
1: Albanese did dismiss the rent freeze as pixie dust in Parliament. Okay. I mean, he keeps making constitution arguments. There was actually a referendum in 1948. Ben Chifley tried to get uh, Commonwealth power over rents and prices. Wouldn't that be fucking awesome? Yeah,
0: that would be good.
1: But that failed, so it doesn't work. But obviously, we've made it very clear that this is totally possible and've laid out how to. Albanese said this whole position makes me wonder what the Greens party's political and thought processes are. They're out there saying they want more investment in social and affordable housing, and their strategy their strategy to do that is to block 10 billion dollars to create a fund for investment in social and affordable housing. <laughs> this is on top of all the other stuff we're doing, and then it said that we've got we've caught the disease of the no coalition where we just vote no to everything. No, <laughs> no. They've caught this bizarre disease just saying no to everything without bizarre any rational disease. explanation. It's just like, fuck you. You yeah. know exactly what the explanation and is. And it
0: is, again, that entitlement of the fucking Labor Party, the same as when it comes to them, like, keeping seats, that they're like, we are entitled to these seats for yes. some reason. They're Labor seats. Stop Greens can't seats, challenge screens. them. And, again, they're like, well, we won government, even though we don't have majority in the Senate and that's why you've got this problem. Yep. Um, but, but they're like, and so we're entitled to pass whatever we want and it's incumbent on you yes. to justify why you would not pass that. And it's yes. like, well, well, okay, why don't you explain why you are blocking $5 billion direct investment in housing? Yes. If you want to do something about the housing crisis, why do you not have to explain yes. that? Yes. So Because that's actually what you're doing. You could do that. The yep. Greens are putting that to you. Why would you block housing, why Albanese? You,
1: why, do you hate, why would you do that? What? But you grew up in public housing. You grew up,
0: now, up in public you? housing. Why do you hate? And like the kind of language that Labor is using against the Greens. Like why do they care so little about domestic and family violence, like survivors? Oh, why do they care so little about, you know, families who are sleeping in tents and cars that they would block this? It's like, yeah, good question. Why would you block this?
1: Why would you block this? We care more than you, you motherfucker. Yeah. And... Yes, the obvious if you ask these people, like, why do you think, like, in a sincere way, why do you think the Greens are voting for this? They can't say, "Oh, I have no idea." It's like they haven't made clear to us. It. It's because they want more investment and they want to go further. Mm. You Fucking weirdos. Mm. Uh, Queensland Deputy Premier Stephen Miles said the Greens' policies will not deliver a single additional affordable house for a Queenslander. Here we go. Here's the real estate lobby coming down what? the pipeline. The only thing a policy like that would do is to drive investors out of the market and cause people to stop developments that are already underway. We've heard that from investors, from developers, we need more supply and more stock and policies like that. One extreme radical policies like that one, the rent freeze, might be good for getting the Greens political party a headline, but it will not deliver a single additional affordable home for a Queenslander.
0: Do we really think that like developers and investors who stand to make significant money from a property market are just going to be like actually I'm going to pull out completely and out. do yeah, what? Can do it. Do fucking what? Because they rely on renters to grow their wealth. Yes. Because they're not going to be able to raise the rent for a couple of years and then they'll be able to raise it in line with inflation. Inflation, yes. So,
1: no, my business model is dependent on (laughs) squeezing tenants for all they're worth forever.
0: And there's clear evidence from what came out during the inquiry when Amy McMahon here in Queensland moved a bill um, for rent caps and other renters' rights. Clear, like, clear evidence that was offered there that, yeah, rent caps are not associated with a reduction in supply. Nope. These, Yeah, it's just, it's not real. It's pixie dust, some might say.
1: Maybe the tide is turning. Someone tweeted out, shout out to at Posting General for pointing out (laughs) that the Labor seems to be losing the key Reddit forum of Friendly Geordie's demographic.
0: Things that made me smile this week. (laughs)
1: <laughs> comments like Greens got it right Labour's housing fund is a joke 30,000 houses over 10 years is pathetic I think it might be 5 years but still still, still pathetic it's more than pathetic they're complicit I'm with Adam ban on this one the profit's 10 billion dollar policy will do fuck all normally prefer Labour over Greens on policy but not on this one it's pathetic good to finally see someone with a real platform call out these bastards for ignoring Damn. this for so long the only way they'll do anything is if they're forced to and even then it's questionable
0: it's so interesting look
1: forward to Freddie Geordie's response to his
0: I, yeah, there were people being like, is Friendly Geordie's going to come out and criticise Labour on this because, you know, he's only too willing to go after the Greens. I think there are genuine, like, there are people who follow Friendly Geordie's who genuinely don't realise that he is just a probably paid Labour shill (laughs) and are like, can't wait to see Jordan's take on this. Um, Do you reckon that they will start to turn away from Labour, like, would we... Are we finally going to get the Friendly Geordie's demographic?
1: <laughs> to come over to serious Danger. So
0: he's come over to serious Danger, to come over to the Greens?
1: He said We should actually, we should put this in the intro, but there is footage of Friendly Geordie's back in the day saying stuff like the Greens are better on policy. I know that, but, you know, power, yeah. power, power, et cetera, et cetera. Like- now, does this mean they're the best Australian party when it comes to the environment? Obviously, when there's one with the word green in it, not by a mile. They continued the multi-billion dollar taxpayer subsidies to the fossil fuel industry and approved mining in the most pristine rainforest on earth, the Tarkine. Inexcusable. Unless, of course, you're a true believer like myself who can very easily sweep that under the rug as they are a major party. And as much as I love the Greens, in the words of the eternal Gough Whitlam, God rest his soul, there is nothing moral about being in opposition. He knows the Greens are correct and have the correct, like, sort of political analysis, but he's just, like, pure on
0: the But do you line. think he's, I, I mean, even him being skewed by the fact that he is probably getting paid by Labor and, and all of that. But I would say he's also, his politics have probably become more conservative over time. Like I think he's.
1: <laughs> Thanks to work cancel culture. Well, kind of. I mean, I also think, as, I don't watch his channel much at all. Uh, every now and again I used to have videos come through. He seems to just completely have moved off domestic politics now. He just sort of talked yeah, about talk almost everything else. But Yeah, because he Because just he's, his Labor wall to wall, he's got up at the same.
0: Yeah, yeah, true.
1: <laughs> or... or you know, still wrapping up John Baralara's stuff and old corruption scams. Mm,
0: yeah, anyway. okay.
1: <laughs> All right, how do we think this is going to shake out? Should the Greens vote this down in theory? Can we do that? Can we get away with it? Uh, is the Labor government going to give anything close to what we're talking about? What do you think?
0: I think, yeah, perhaps in the wake of the climate bill stuff the sa- or safeguard mechanism mm-hmm. um, when we didn't end up blocking that. And I think I was saying to you then, oh, I'm not sure that the Greens have as much justification. like politically, strategically to block the housing bill as they did to block safeguard mechanism because Mm. that was about, you know, are we opening up new coal and gas mines that will make the crisis worse, whereas when we say this will make the housing crisis worse, yes, the argument's a little bit more convoluted. Mm. But I think my view has maybe changed. Like I I just think that the public understanding of how shitty this proposal is Mm. is like so much greater. And that's because of the fucking hard work of Max's office yes. um and the greens, you know, across the country and people getting out there talking to people on the doors, um, you know, doing doing mail outs, doing calls, all of that. And like, from what I understand, I haven't been out on one of those door knocks. There's actually more happening this weekend, I no. know, around around Brisbane and surrounding suburbs and stuff. Um, but a- anyone who has been out there and spoken to an average person about this, they are like, oh, yeah, I think, yeah, it sounds like you probably should block it. Yeah. People are like, yeah, that sounds pretty bad. Yeah. The, if the Greens have the power to, to get something better here, then they should. And, like, yeah, I think it will be – and I also still, as I think I said around the time the safe mechanism, like we've got to block something at some point yes. because otherwise we do kind of lose – like we need to demonstrate that, yes, we are willing to to stand up for our principles and we will flex our muscles in the Senate and that is exactly why we told you to vote for us so that we would have the balance of power yes. and we would use it to secure better outcomes. So I think, yeah, we have to get something. I, I do think like it sounds as though – Negotiation has been hard on this. They yes. really don't want to give us fucking anything.
1: Where is Julie Collins, the housing yeah. minister?
0: Yeah. It seems, like it's just, it seems like it's just Albanese on this, and I get the impression that Albanese in particular hates the Greens and hates Max yes. as the housing spokesperson. Yes. Um, and so that's difficult. I think they really won't want to give us anything. But if they don't, I don't think that it will be significantly backfire for the Greens. I think that the whole story of the Greens making the perfect the enemy of the good mm. and and that stuff with, you know, CPRS actually is dulled. I think that that's just not working with people anymore and I think people are like, wait, so you passed this thing that does nothing for renters when the rental crisis is, it's so you know, bad. yeah.
1: Well, yes, but, but also from, from Labor's point of view, okay, so the Greens ended up voting for the climate bill and the safeguard, mm. okay, so from their point of view, like, well, let's just, you know, pre- press repeat again let's yeah. just hammer them let's just say they're, mm. they're in, in the um in the way of progress and they're unreasonable uh, hippie uh, radical hippies from the green's point of view we can say no we have been reasonable on these two other things so we exactly. don't just block everything yeah this is this is a fucking red line for us and we're going to vote it down yeah Thank you very much. yeah
0: and and i increasingly just think that if there's one thing i mean obviously climate is an existential threat to humanity yes uh and we need to keep doing that but housing is just it's just the biggest thing for yep. everyone right now.
1: Totally. Well, on that note, a uh, report this week that the rental crisis is even worse than we imagined. Less than 1% of rentals in Australia are affordable for a single person on the minimum wage. On the minimum wage, mm-hmm. with a new report finding that housing affordability has plummeted to new lows, the stark findings revealed that less than 1% of the rentals were affordable for someone on the age or disability support pension while there was not one affordable house for someone on youth allowance. For a single person of job seeker. Just four rentals across the country, this is in one weekend, were affordable, and all of those were rooms in share houses.
0: Fight to the death for those rooms.
1: Jesus Christ. So, (laughs) yes. It's bleak
0: It's bleak out there.
1: Yeah. Well, thank God the Greens and Max and Adam are fighting for something better and it's the least they can fucking
0: do. Yeah. I
1: was invited uh, to the wedding. I said I would go and I keep my commitments, including to Kyle Sandilands. A bloke who at one stage was... Homeless, living on the streets of Sydney is a, a part of uh, what is an Australian success story.
2: Yeah. Okay, what's your next question, Mum? Okay, have you had sex? I've already told you the story of this. Don't look at me and
0: smile because it's not funny. Oh, okay, um, I got raped when I was 12 years old.
2: Right,
1: and is that the, uh, is that the only experience is that... you've had?
0: We, Tom, okay, update. Update. Tom has a free mini bar at the hotel. There are free snacks and there are free drinks. He's drinking a non-alcoholic espresso martini that he thinks tastes bad. I had a sip. It was okay. Awful. I've got a lemon sparkling water. It's pretty bad.
1: We're going pretty crazy. Hey. Serious danger on tour, baby.
0: <laughs> Uh, you know who wouldn't be going crazy?
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't even single try parents
0: it who were pushed Jesus. off the payment when their youngest child turned eight, as a result of the Gillard government decision back in twenty twelve. Well, oh, hang
1: on, Julie Gillard was our first female prime minister. And She's she a feminist people. icon. Yes. So why
0: would she do that to so many predominantly single mothers? Who can say?
1: Because she was barren.
0: Because she. <laughs> That's not. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: I'm sorry. I apologize for that. But I didn't originate that. Anyway, carry on.
0: Okay. Well, the reason I bring this up is because this week we heard that something may be done to reverse the past wrongs of this decision by mm. the Gillard government. The Economic Inclusion Advisory Committee. I love that committee. That committee that recommended Raising Job Seeker. This was set up or it was negotiated by David Pocock. Uh to advise on welfare changes ahead of each budget.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: The other thing that it has recommended apparently is increasing support for the single parenting payment yeah. to undo some of that damage that the Gillard government did back Re- in 2012.
1: Right, recommended increasing job seeker, which we discussed on last week's show. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah,
0: yeah, as well. Um, so the the background on this, and and I actually, I have to admit, I knew that there was this story of Gillard cutting or fucking over people particularly single mothers on the single parenting payment back in 2012 on the exact same date that she gave her famous misogyny speech yes. i didn't realize the actual mechanics of what happened right. so what this was was that in rewinding back to 2006 the howard government stopped parents from claiming the parent, parenting payment when their youngest child turned 8 mm. it used to be 16 right. before that so that's a pretty significant cut we were talking about this and it's like 8 years old so they're no longer you no longer have to look after to them like yeah. like I mean we were saying I guess they should be in the workforce at that point making jams
1: yes yes <laughs>
0: <laughs> well isn't the uh, age of
1: seven the age of knowledge or something isn't that you know in the religion what? Re- the age of religion is like uh, once a child gets to seven, because that's when you, you do your confirmation or your communion or whatever. Yeah, that's what I should have. Yeah. I do not I don't
0: know about this. But anyway, that truly evil decision. You can decision, start sinning,
1: I think, from age seven. You can start sinning. Se- you
0: can't sin before then. I don't think so, no. That's good to know. Maybe that's why, and we'll get to this, the minimum age of criminal responsibility in <laughs> right. a lot of like US states, I think even still, was seven yeah. or is seven, yeah. Good Lord. Um, but anyway, back to this decision by the Howard government in 2006. One thing that he did do is put in place this grandfathering arrangement, so people who parents who had been on the payment um, in in July two thousand six were allowed to keep it until their youngest child turned sixteen, and that also meant that subsequent siblings were still covered. Oh my god! Um, but like that grandfathering arrangement, even that, which was obviously a lifeline for some people who were already on the payment, then Gillard came in in twenty twelve and was like, no. We're going to cut you off too. She got
1: rid of that.
0: She got rid of that. So that's what she did in 2012. Um, she ended that grandfathering arrangement. That meant that around, and the the stats on this varied, some said 80,000, 80, some said around 100,000, but around, yeah, 100,000 parents pushed off the single parenting payment onto New start right. at the time, which obviously is now Job Seeker. Yep. At the time, there was vociferous opposition, as you can imagine, from groups like ACOS. Mm. Uh, there were apparently there were like protests outside of Parliament as Gillard was giving this speech. Yeah. I will not be lectured about sexism and misogyny by this man. I will not. There were women outside being like, "Please don't cut my fucking income so that I can look after my children." Jesus. Um, it, it, this decision cut for those thousands and thousands of parents their income by again range from maybe around 100 to 172 dollars a fortnight, which might sound small to to yeah. someone who is getting a, a decent income. It might sound small, particularly for someone like Gillard or politicians who are making these decisions. Yes. But for these parents who might be on a, on an extre- extremely low income, that can make a huge difference. Mm. In their lives, and so this was a real blow to a lot of um, single parents. Apparently, even ahead of this decision, there was was lobbying to the extent that a, a joint parliamentary committee looked at this. Uh, it it recommended. It it actually ended up as well that that committee looked at the rate of new start because it was like, well, these parents are going to be pushed onto Newstart, they're also then going to have to meet the mutual obligations that, that come with Newstart around working minimum hours and stuff because by that point they should no longer just be caring for their children because that's not real work or something. Mm. Um, and and they said things about how low Newstart was at the time. They, quote, questioned whether Newstart provided recipients with a standard of living that is acceptable in the Australian context for anything but the shortest period of time, which... Just so ironic that this is literally, that's, yeah, about 10 years ago now and still we have a completely inadequate um, job seeker rate and we have all these parents who are on it from the time that their youngest child turns eight years old Mm. uh, and... We still have a government that's insisting that it's okay because it's only meant to be a stopgap and we would just want people getting back into work as soon as possible. That's so much
1: because I've heard, I think Gillard was challenged on that decision on um, Mm. Q&A. Her defence was it was our decision that we just carried on and continued on. But it seems like she went even further than that. Yeah, she ended the the grandfather. Enduring the grandfather. Jesus Christ. Yeah,
0: that's right. Like, obviously, Howard is evil and he started it. But, I mean, apparently, so I didn't realise this, so the chair of this new committee that Pocock set up is Jenny Macklin, who was the relevant social services or the relevant minister at the time of that decision in the Gillard government.
1: I don't think that's quite right. I was just listening to the party room this oh, week. Because that was with,
0: reported somewhere.
1: Yeah, I think that was a mistake. I think Frank uh, Kelly said that last week. She apologised. She was in the cabinet. She wasn't uh, a relevant minister. Okay. And so she's out, she's been out there trying to defend herself, I guess, a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But certainly you've got yeah a Labor government now. Katie Gallagher, who's the finance minister, mm has lived experience of being on the payment. Yes, yeah. So she's talked about that a little bit.
0: Yeah, so her partner died in a cycling accident, I think it was. She was pregnant at the time Mm -hmm. and she has said in in interviews like maybe even just this week that uh, the single parenting payment changed her life, in fact, you know, saved her life in in a way and so she knows how important it is. And that's what's interesting, her and and, um, Albanese as well are on the record saying that. This basically that Gillard got it wrong, yep. that that was a bad decision. Yep. Apparently, Albanese, when running for the Labor leadership, he described it as a mistake mm-hmm. to cut the support at the time. But the, it's unclear at this stage, and maybe we'll know more by the time this episode is out, it's unclear what changes the committee's acu- actually recommend de- recommending or what the government will actually do in the budget. We'll know when the budget comes around in the following week. There's some reporting, for example, in the AFR that The committee isn't specifically advocating for a like-for-like reversal, so not necessarily saying it should go back to 16 years old. Some are saying that it, it, it means that they'll put it up to 12 years old instead as a limit. Or there may just be a suggestion that they'll offer some sort of other support to the single parenting payment. Maybe they would raise the rate or something like that, right. um, instead of just putting it back to what it was before this decision was made. But the the teals in in particular, as well as like you know the um, advocacy groups on on this, I think like National Council of Single Mothers are all saying that it should be put brought back to to sixteen. It is it is something that I'm like, well, it's good to see the teals doing. Teal stuff, I yeah. guess. This is something that they should be doing. Um,
1: Maybe they'll get another task force or another committee or another review.
0: Yeah, it's a bit sad, isn't it? <laughs> but, you know, they, they've done, the, they've like released, you know, similar Greens tactics. They've got um, parliamentary budget offers costing on how much it would cost, mm. apparently. The independent Zoe Daniel was saying that it will cost the government roughly $640 million over the next three years to cover parents until their children are 12, or 1.1 billion until the children reach 16. Mm. Um, and again, in the scheme of things, stage three tax cuts, yes. nuclear subs, nothing. Probably nothing.
1: The stage three tax cuts, which are gonna cost us even more than we previously expected. I think there was modeling recently saying that they've actually like the blowout is even further. They, they there was already a blowout out on
0: the blowout.
1: And actually, I'll, I'll link this through the show notes. The ABC did do a pretty amazing infographic that tried to visually represent how much the stage three tax cuts are. Like they're like, yeah. here's a square. This is what the uh, the median income is. And yeah. then they just say, like, and this is what the tax cuts are. And you scroll and, and you scroll and you scroll. Fuck. It's pretty fucking bleak, but very well done. Well done <sighs> ABC.
0: It's incredibly bleak. I mean, what do you think that the government's going to do on this?
1: Well, I mean, uh, you can imagine them coming up with some kind of shitty compromise. Yeah, that you
0: couldn't even imagine. Like this is the thing. So often with labour, I can't even predict what weird, like (laughs) bureaucratic, nonsensical, shitty, like solution that they will come up with to avoid doing what is actually recommended.
1: Loan, loan scheme, okay, loans to single parents, and when you hook up with someone, microfinance,
0: microfinance loans (laughs) for the parents of Australia. You
1: get free subscription to like tinder premium to try oh and find god. a
0: partner. oh my god oh my god fuck yeah well the greens obviously well so previously the greens had been pushing to bring it back to 16 yeah uh but then last year when uh, ahead of the federal election we released our social security policies this is one of the payments that we would be brought under the National Livable Income Guarantee, which okay. would be set at eighty-eight dollars a day, along with you know things like Job Seeker all those other payments, and would be inter- indexed against the Henderson Poverty Line to make yep. sure that it it at least keeps track with that. So, uh, I mean, yes, we haven't yet seen, I think, a Greens response specifically to this, probably because the government hasn't even said what it's going to do yet. Yeah, I, I would imagine we would support like yeah lifting the age somewhat but be pushing for it to be higher and for the rates to be higher as well
1: i mean not to be ultra leftist of course again but <laughs> is there is, it, is there an argument that single basing parents on your couple status is also a bit fucked mm. up and like that's not all even universal and
0: yeah well this is what was interesting because i think that there are like the par- there's a parenting payment that's different for couples versus singles mm. right and so what Yes, no, it's not a universal payment. Yes. And and that's one of the things that, yeah, the Greens is part of that national livable income guarantee. It's about making it more of a universal payment, removing mutual obligations uh, and getting rid of some of those those barriers to accessing payments Yeah, like and that. the way JobSeeker
1: works and your, yeah. your income is based on your partner's income, which is yes. also fucked up, particularly if, in, if they're abusive relationships and the way yes. that people become financially independent and relying yeah. on each other. It's like, it's so fucking bullshit. Yeah, I think it's interesting how... And I think this has certainly changed socially. Like you know, single mothers have been demonized for a very long time, like in our mm. society as well, and you know, by by I mean isolating them. Do you think as-
0: that's true? The single mothers have been demonized? I would say they're almost valorized. Really? Or don't you think everyone's like, "Oh, single mothers heroes?"
1: Uh, I think that's definitely where we are now, but I think there was definitely mm. a history with it, under social yeah. conservatism of yes, yeah. judging women who 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 are trying to raise kids by themselves, or and particularly women who choose to have kids by themselves without
0: a partner? I guess so. I think there's, but now I guess we're in this situation. Yet, where socially it's like they're they're heroes, and oh my god, Albo had a single mom, and that's so wonderful. But then in reality, we will make it incredibly difficult for them to live their lives and look after their children.
2: Right? (laughs) Yeah.
0: Uh, speaking of children,
2: yeah,
0: them. <laughs> the other thing that happened this week again around age thresholds, interestingly, but and weirdly, I just didn't see much coverage, even though I've been following the minimum age of criminal responsibility issue for some time. Didn't see too much coverage of this that Victoria has said they will raise the minimum age at which a child can be charged and, in theory, incarcerated under their criminal laws from 10 years old. Because remember, children can be locked up at 10 years old in Australia. Yep uh to 12. So, oh thank god. So oh, a my lot god. better. I mean interestingly. Thank god
1: we're <laughs> getting those 13 year olds
0: off our streets. Well 12 year olds too but keep in mind I think that's what people don't realize when you say raising the minimum age to 12 you're talking about still putting 12 year olds yes, in Jesus. prison. Still charging 12 year olds in exactly the same way as you would charge an adult for criminal offences, they say that they would do that by the end of 2024 is their proposal, raise it to 12, and then mm-hmm. by 2027 raise it to 14, which is the bare minimum yes. recommended by the UN. Um, the, the I, I guess probably today when we're recording this in Brisbane, they were going to bring this to the uh, national meeting of Attorney Generals or, or National Cabinet, mm-hmm. which has been looking at the issue of the age of – of criminal responsibility for years since 2018. And states like Queensland have been using that as an excuse not to raise the age, as an excuse to reject a Greens bill to raise the age to at least 14 because there's this national process ongoing. That national—it's very complicated. You couldn't possibly understand. Should it be
1: good to put kids in prison? Mm. Is it bad to put kids in prison? Yeah. These are big questions.
0: What if you know the Murdoch media is saying that it's good to put kids in prison? Yes. We have to weigh that we to weigh up weigh as that well. Up. Uh, it's all very, yeah, very complicated and important. Mm. This, but this national—this is the same national process that recommended raising the age to at least 14. We know that now, but they buried that report. Like we still don't know exactly what happened there, but some states and territories were, or just one or who knows were like, no, don't release that. Just hold on to that for now. Ended up getting leaked, of course, the fact that they recommended this, but then they were like, we're just not going to do that for now. Uh, And instead the most recent thing that we'd heard from is is that they were working towards a proposal to raise the age to 12. So we kind of knew this was coming. Okay. Uh, it it is somewhat encouraging that Victoria is saying that they are also putting in in line like a commitment to then raise it to 14. But the fact is that like that kind of incrementalism, it just makes there is literally not a single piece of, evidence or justification in any way to raise it to 12. It's just a random right. figure that they've plucked out of nowhere to be like- What's
1: oh, a sensible centre.
0: Well, yes, it's a, that's it. It's just like a compromise <laughs> for, kids who, for, for people who want to see children locked up in prison. Yes. They're like, oh, okay, no. And it's a compromise that really works for people who want kids to be locked up in prison because it affects the tiniest, tiniest minority of children in that under 14-year-old cohort who actually- impl- impacted by the, you know, criminal legal system right now or in detention. Mm. In Victoria, I think it's around 10% of children who come into contact with police are, yeah, 10, 11 years old, as in under 14. So the vast majority, yeah, that means that 90% of the kids in that cohort are not going to be impacted by this at all until twenty twenty seven after the next election, which, you know, maybe they'll probably fucking lose (laughs) and then it'll never happen.
1: Yeah, Jesus. And what, like the worst case scenario, again, From putting on my labour brain hat, yeah. is like, okay, you announce you're going to raise it to 14, the Murdoch media finds the one example of some yeah. kid that did something horrible that fits into this age category and will say, hey, you know, Daniel Andrews wants this person out on the street or whatever. Yeah. As opposed to making the very clear analysis that if people that young are engaging in such violent crime, that's a failure on society. Like yeah. something horrible has happened in this person's yes. life. Or, you know, we are not doing a correct job as a society providing opportunities for that child to live a decent life that has driven them to the point where they're – or they don't have the mental health care they need. Like, yeah, that's that's the way the insane Murdoch media would approach that. And – I'm not saying that's an excuse. Labor should be able to have that fight, for fuck's sake, and yes. justify the fact that putting children in prison is bad and wrong.
0: It's bad. Well, and it doesn't fucking work. That's right. the thing. Yes. It does not work.
1: And Notoriously, when people go to prison, they come out of it being yeah, like, yeah. no All more crime now. for me. No
0: more. Yeah, <laughs> so much better now, especially children. Just young
1: people, yeah. Um,
0: th- that's why I was concerned, like, clearly, as of now, as of recording, we have very few details about what this thing would would look like. But the attorney general, Victorian attorney general, indicated that there may be exceptions. So this wouldn't actually just be lifting the minimum age of criminal responsibility. There might be carve outs um, for particular offenses because they said in the very rare instances that children commit serious offenses police will determine appropriate responses. So I'm like what does that what does that mean? Like if police are still going to be involved in determining what the response is, does that mean there will be carve outs? Mm-hmm. That would be a real failure for like and for the the movement to raise the age. Um it's been done in other jurisdictions where yeah, they'll they'll raise it to a particular age except for particular offenses like murder or or um sexual assault or rape or something like that. But the fact is that if a child if a 10, 11, 12, 13 year old is committing an offense like that first of all it's so incredibly fucking rare yes second of all yeah it it imp- it implies that something has gone seriously wrong mm. in their life and it's perhaps even more important that they're di- diverted from the criminal legal yes. system and that they're given the support that they need and intensive therapeutic mm. case management um there are arguments that like yeah if there really is a child who is repeatedly violently offending and in a re- at a really serious level and we're talking about those top level offenses like maybe supervision would be required but it's not punitive supervision it's not detention it would be like community led yes um cross like multidisciplinary therapeutic support on a very small scale not these centers where you've got hundreds of kids in fucking cells Mm. um but to 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 like help that child deal with the the trauma or whether it's substance misuse or or you know an often undiagnosed um learning disability or intellectual impairment yeah like that's what they need support for so i think if there are carve outs that'll be really concerning and shit i love the idea of like (laughs)
1: Maintaining this policy. You know, we've got to deter all those other 11-year-old murderers out there because oh kids God. adults are absolutely paying attention to sentencing um, requirements and won't do all the crimes if they yeah. know they can go to prison. What the fuck are you talking yeah. about?
0: Yeah, yeah, that's the, that's the thing. And and when you talk about, I mean, I, I get the impression that it's even stronger in Queensland, this obsession media-wise and like in politics with um, going after the government for being soft on crime, but that's going to yeah. happen. Like those attacks are going to come from a liberal or an LNP opposition, regardless of what you do. Yeah, what so you being do. like, oh, we can't raise the age to 14 because then they'll attack us for being soft on crime and for just giving kids a slap on the wrist. That's already happening. Yes. That's already the argument and that's why we are just getting keep getting tougher and tougher laws and because those laws don't work, yes. because when you lock children up, they offend more and people get more afraid and, like, there's just more fucking hysteria around youth crime. Yeah, it, it doesn't stop unless you actually implement a circuit breaker yes. and that's why, you know, as well the argument that you need this staged approach because you need to make sure that the infrastructure is in place and the services are funded so that when you divert children from the criminal legal system they have somewhere to go mm-hmm. is kind of bullshit because we know that the government just won't do that until they're forced to no. effectively, until they actually take the step to make the legislative change. They probably just won't set up those those alternative um services or, or, yeah, they won't fund anything that they don't fucking have to as long as they can keep funding detention centres, youth they prisons. They also seem
1: to have plenty of money for new prisons, it seems. So yeah. So why don't you send a little bit of that money yeah. to the services way?
0: Yeah, exactly. If they raise the age, I, I think so <laughs> right now, the AG in Victoria has said there are no 10 to 12-year-old children currently in custody. Awesome. So it means if this change happens, not a single child will be removed from prison. Okay. Uh, there are nine children between 13 and 14 years old who are being held, she says, allegedly very serious crimes. But, like, this is the thing. So no impact mm. until 2027 if they win that election. In Queensland, it's a little more, but there is there are still, there are, like, 20 kids in prisons and watch houses age 10 to 13 on any given day, about 130 cycling through. But, like... That's, yeah, 10 to 13. So to argue that you need to like really take your time to make sure that the, the infrastructure is in place for them, it's like this is a tiny group yeah. of children that if you really wanted to, you could put the systems in place mm. to to divert them from the criminal system. Let the children go. Let the children go. Um, yeah, there's we'll put I I think uh, as one of the call to actions we'll put the link in in the show notes to email your AG and premier in your state or territory telling them to raise the age to at least 14 with no carve outs. Mm. That's as I said, the absolute bare minimum age that the UN says is required for the minimum age of criminal responsibility and that's based on evidence from doctors as well. It's about the neurological development of a child. I mean, there's a strong argument that no child should be in prison, but at least 14 when you know, their frontal lobe is not developed, that they literally don't have the capacity to weigh up long-term consequences when they're making decisions. They have very little impulse control. They're still going through this process of what's called synaptic pruning. So that means that not only yeah, can they not make great decisions, but if they are subjected to the trauma of contact with the criminal legal system and incarceration in particular, that will affect them in, a, in a, a, a far more significant way than, than it would for adults. Mm. So all of this, it's like 14 is the bare fucking minimum. Yeah. Please. <laughs> Please. Please. I will not be lectured about sexism and misogyny by this man. I will not be lectured about sexism
1: and misogyny by this man. I will not be lectured about sexism and misogyny by this man. I will not. Be Here are some other call to actions for this week. Contact your local Labor MP or Senator, ask them to support the Greens' demand for a national rent freeze. I'm sure they'll be very receptive. <laughs> um, and our plan for renters. Do something about renters. This is a fucking rental crisis. We want $5 billion direct investment in public and affordable housing per year, doubling the rent assistance, all that good stuff that we discussed on the show. Um Always, you can go to greens.org.au slash housing. That lays out the Greens case where we stand on the whole housing bill. And, of course, Max Chandler-Mather is the party spokesperson for housing. Follow him at M. Chandler-Mather on Twitter. Or, of course, get listening to Serious Danger. He'll be back on here real soon.
0: So true. Yeah, just come to the live show. Oh, you didn't get tickets. Sad.
1: <laughs> just out. <laughs> Tomorrow's May Day as well. I don't know yeah. there's stuff going on today on Sunday as well across the country. May Day, very important part in the oh, – we don't need a trade union movement anymore because we've got a Labor government.
0: Well, that's right. Yeah, yeah, so don't bother. Don't bother. Uh, or you, you could go to a rally if you want commemorate. You know, uh, it's the, kind of the Shearer's strike is what we're really commemorating in Australia. Is that uh, right? No, I think in it's Buckleday? early than that. It's
1: eight-hour workday back in 1956. Uh,
0: yeah, but then in Australia, the equivalent, no? No,
1: no, that's a, that's the eight-hour workday ah, okay. in Australia. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah, bad. It, and there are certain rallies that happen on various May days that then became a new milestone. And yeah, stuff. But basically, okay. yeah. workers getting together, fighting about a better deal under capitalism yeah. and shit. Yeah,
0: yeah, sounds good. Rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening now. You can um, support us on Patreon, just three bucks a month. Get access to fun bonus episodes like the chat with my sister about killer robots. Uh, And follow us on at Serious Danger AU on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. Info is at SeriousDangerPod.com. Also, you can email us at hello at SeriousDangerPod.com. Anything else?
1: Uh, Let's go out with Adam's little closing remarks from his... his National address, I think it's quite inspiring.
0: Google it, mate. <laughs> no, thanks a lot.
1: See you next week, everyone. Bye.
2: <laughs> the Greens have a vision for the future free education, free childcare, freeze and cap rents, mental and dental as part of Medicare, a four day work week. We are the, already the only party with a policy to seriously tackle the climate crisis. And we're going to be known as the party with the only serious way of tackling the cost of living and the housing crises, too. By stopping the handouts to the big corporations and billionaires and making them pay their fair share of tax, we will fund the services that will make this country more equal. And we will end the housing, the cost of living, and the climate crises. And in doing so, we will build a better life for everyone. Thank you.